Almost Sideways, a place for movie conversation. My name is Adam, and I'm joined by a very special guest, and that is Loretta of the Suit Up Geeks podcast. How are you doing today? Doing all right, man. Ready to talk some shop. Uh, Spielberg is one of the greatest filmmakers of our time, and I'm, I'm honored to be able to talk about his films. Absolutely. And this is the journey with Spielberg, because we have the West Side Story movie coming out later in December. Kind of an interesting Spielberg choice that he's going down that route, but hey, it's Spielberg. Got to go check it out. So we're doing these this this film journey, looking at some of his movies leading up to that movie. And today is Jurassic Park, pretty timeless classic. You know, going to a, a park full of dinosaurs. I think that's a childhood dream of everybody, just seeing dinosaurs walk the earth. Uh, what was some of your earliest memories of Jurassic Park growing up? So I was terrified. Um, I didn't know anything about Jaws. I didn't know that Spielberg made E.T. Like, I, I never connected the dots when I was little, but I just knew from that initial intro with the Velociraptor, like you couldn't even see him. You just hear the shrieking of the raptor and the guy screaming, and I was terrified. But, you know, as I watched the film with my father, um, the scene that everyone knows by now when they get out of the Jeep and they see the brontosaurus uh, eating from a tree, I thought that thing looked so freaking real. It just took my breath away as a child. Like, you know, when you're a child, you're more susceptible. You know, you believe in the Tooth Fairy, Santa Claus. And for me, Spielberg brought dinosaurs back from the dead. <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe it. And literally, like, that's the pure essence of movie magic, which is why that actually is my favorite Steven Spielberg film. It was just such an experience to see a dinosaur on the screen. <laughs> yeah. He gets to have a way with bringing those like childhood moments to life that and moments that stick with you. I know I have very fond memories of Jaws, so I'm really looking forward to talking about that movie in the future. That still scares me from visiting the ocean. But Jurassic Park is one of those films that I do remember. I have fond memories of. I think this was probably my first Spielberg movie as well. And just seeing dinosaurs come to life. One of my favorite sequences has to be the um, – actually, when I was a kid, one of my scariest – memories is the uh when the t-rex finally makes his appearance on screen and uh, going after flipping over those cars going after eating the guy on the the, the lawyer on the toilet i thought that's a very subtle <laughs> thing now uh, some some great moments in that that sequence that are uh, truly frightening especially putting kids in danger i'm like oh my god i could be that kid right there I, that's uh frightening and you have ian malcolm who uh, there and, and Dr. Alan Grant and Alan Grant is trying to save these kids and uh, have be kind of a fatherly character to them as well. It's played so well, and there was something that he was able to capture in that sequence that uh, definitely stuck out in my mind. Was there any some other moments or scenes in this film that really just like that? That he just nailed it right there. Well, I think the thing with Jurassic Park is just balancing all the elements. You know, there's funny moments, there's emotional moments, but I think what's underrated about Spielberg is his ability to create suspense and terror because obviously there would be no summer blockbuster without jaws i feel like you know jaws kind of just set the stage for what summer blockbusters would become but what's the thing, the thing about like jaws even like more modern like more of the worlds like spielberg is really good at suspense so my one of my favorite sequences besides the awe dropping one i mentioned earlier is in the kitchen oh. when the kids are hiding from the velociraptor and this is like you know, this isn't the T-Rex. This thing is can literally follow you into a room 
and they're hunters, you know, like they got the claw and they got, you know, and it's just, it's, it's so brilliant the way he, he set the set piece with the kids hiding in the shelves. And then like the, what was it? Um, the girl hiding in the, yeah. I don't even know what that was, like, like a cabinet or something. It's like a dumbwaiter. Maybe that's yeah. not what it is. Yeah. It was a dumbwaiter, but then it was like reflected off the oven and then the Velociraptor didn't know which one was her and brilliant, yeah, brilliant set piece. And um, I just, I just love that. The tension. It's just so like edge of your seat kind of, you know, kind of entertainment. So Yeah. But then that talking about Spielberg setting up moments, he set that up perfectly because every, when you think of Jurassic Park, you think of like maybe like this image here with it's the T-Rex, right? The skull, like that's the poster, but the Velociraptor is kind of the underlying main villain in here because they're the one who's actually hunting you. And they set it up perfectly throughout the whole movie where you have the opening where that guy's getting killed and you have them set up with Alan Grant being carrying the claw and the bones and it looks like a giant turkey, all that kind of fun stuff. And then you get set up with the, 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 the hunter, the game, the guy who's trying to tells you like they come from the sides they hunt they hunt people and they're thinking about stuff they don't attack the same place but they set it all perfectly up and then you have the girl with the the, the jello that shot is very powerful for me i love yeah. that shot. and it leads right into your kitchen sequence and it's like it's not just one you actually see all of them in uh hunting these kids and it's just like holy cow this is a very uh, crazy moments uh, that he was able to set up throughout his the storyline of all these moving parts as well. So, uh, well done, Spielberg, on <laughs> scaring me as a kid. You know, to your point, can I shout out Sam Neill as Alan Grant? Because, oh, yeah, absolutely. like you said, he sets the stage when he he scares the bejesus out of that little kid. <laughs> he like pulls like the claw up to like. <laughs> Well, what if this creature slashed your stomach from here to here? It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Spills your intestines, and you. And the thing is, you will be alive when they eat you. Right. <laughs> that is like the most horrifying thing to say to a child. <laughs> and it's it's crazy because Spielberg set up not just the Velociraptor, but also Alan Grant being a better uh, role model to kids from this one scene. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is great. Uh, we brought up the kid already. There's that rumor, or not rumor, but more of a fan theory, that that kid who said that he's a giant turkey is actually Chris Pratt's character in Jurassic World. I don't think so, but did you hear about this or anything like that? That's like saying, oh, that kid at Tony Stark's Expo in Iron Man 2 was Peter Parker. It's like, how does that have any correlation? Like, uh, yeah. sure? Yeah, but okay, cool. If you believe that, right on, right on. Uh, I guess right. You- Alan Grant scared him to uh, be a Velociraptor trainer, I guess. Scared him to be in, into raptors. Who knows? Um, we, we brought up Alan Grant here and some of the amazing characters, Ian Malcolm, uh, Dr. Sadler. Uh, iconic performances from Sam, not Sam Neill, but also uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum and Laura Dern. Uh, we always do on these podcasts the highest war performance, which is basically the performance that if you took out of the role and you swapped it with a different actor – it just wouldn't be the same. Who would who would have the highest war in this movie for you? I'm gonna be honest. Um, this might be a hot take because I, I feel like most people would probably say Sam Neill, but I would say Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you replace that with someone that's not as likable or as charismatic as Jeff Goldblum, or if it just to frankly say it as memorable as, as Jeff Goldblum, I feel like the film would be hurt a little bit by it. And I that he's actually my favorite character from the film so yeah uh, that's i, I actually was kind of leaning that way too 
Uh, I think that is a really good take. I, I enjoy Goldblum so much, especially after this time here, having us all his little noises and, and <laughs> all his little noises. And he has the, the, the sexy Goldblum pose when he gets attacked by the, the T-Rex on the desk. He's like shirtless and just like kind of back. It's, it's Goldblum, man. Like, Going back now, watching more of Goldblum's movies like The Fly, just seeing how he's so quirky, and even now with Thor Ragnarok and the Grand Budapest Hotel and other roles, of course, but uh, he's just so quirky uh, character actor that uh, this is like the perfect role. And I was so I was so happy to see him come back for the Lost World of Jurassic Park, regardless of what I thought about that film or anything. He's still Ian Malcolm, and you know he appeared back in uh, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, and I think he's supposed to come back in the new the. Dominion, yeah, they're they're all supposed to be back. Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty awesome. So who knows? Hopefully they uh, have it more screen time than he just being at a court courtroom all day. So that it's kind of a waste of his character. Interesting. You know, also, like putting him next to like two like serious like stoic archaeologists, and then he walks in with like a leather jacket, and he's like a mathematician or whatever. But he's like so suave, you know. It's like yeah. it was a nice counterbalance to. The, the archaeologists, you know. So. Yeah. It's like, I brought the archaeologist, you brought the rock star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's great. Uh, yeah, I think my highest war would probably be Ian, uh, Ian Malcolm's uh, Jeff Goldblum. Because uh, Goldblum, it's like everything we're saying, Goldblum is, I don't want to see anybody else but Gold, the Gold, other than the Goldblum do this performance. Uh, I think if I had to go um, a second performance, it would probably be Sam Neill because um, he brings something really good to it as well, so. Um, so how about the uh, the absolute worst performance? What's one of the character performances like, I just do not care about that. I know it's a little tough. I think everybody's kind of perfect in this one. And I don't. I hate to pick on kids, but maybe maybe the kid that plays uh, the Timmy. Boy. Yeah, Timmy, yeah. Yeah, and Joseph. Maybe, I can't yeah. remember his last name. Matt Zanzello or something like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay, to, to your point, right? I, I'd hate to pick on a kid, but we've seen really good kid performances. I think he's just not one of the better ones. Yeah. He's not one of the better ones, but you know, I also don't want to see him not in the movie. <laughs> Cause I, I was like, it'd be different without him. Uh, but anyway, I, I think that I don't really know any other performances that are noticeably bad in this one, other than possibly him. So, but we, we know we're doing uh we always, every time too, we always do who would Nicholas cage play in Jurassic park. <laughs> um oh man that's great you know honestly i could see it going one of two ways like if he's gonna play it serious and like and like you know national treasure style um i could see him doing the the hunter what's oh, I yeah. the hunter's name? yeah yeah i i, I know who you're talking about the guy who's the who was shooter <laughs> yeah clever gun <laughs> yeah. i could see him doing that but at the same time he has that that rock star mentality I can see him doing Ian Malcolm. I don't know if it'd be good or it'd be bad because there's two spectrums of Cage, and it's just like batshit crazy, or like, you know. So. Yeah, I, I say I don't want to see anybody play um, Ian Malcolm other than the Goldblum, but Cage could be a close second right there. I think right, that right. he'd be the only one I would probably want to see just to see how quirky it gets. Like, it could be really ridiculous. Yeah, he'd have I, to do like a Gone in sixty seconds thing, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which would not be bad because we're huge fans of Gone of Gone in sixty seconds on this podcast. So, uh, but yeah, that would be a good one. Uh, I think if I let me see, I would like to um, Ian Malcolm would go in the Hunter would be a good one. But 
maybe even Samuel L. Jackson's character, maybe, but there's not much to do with him. So that probably wouldn't yeah. be. You know, it's funny, like the, the tech nerd he played in The Rock, I think that's like definitely in his his wheel works, you know, like so. Or maybe, here we go, here's an out, out of the box. How about uh, Dotson, the guy that gives the fedora hat, guy who gives him the, the uh, Wayne Knight's character, <laughs> the, uh, the barbersol container. <laughs> yeah. Just this uh, little quick roll, he plays it completely straight so he doesn't do anything. Like, oh, that's sick. Oh, he's gone already. Like, okay. okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we already kind of touched on our favorite scenes in movies uh, from the movie already. Uh, how about the going to some other little categories? Who's the who do you think the biggest douchebag in the movie is? Again, there's not a ton of characters, so I think you're gonna have to go with uh, Nedry on this one. With uh, I was gonna say, I think he's like the only pure villain in the film, and um, yeah. if, if they, I think that they, they don't be in danger if he doesn't shut down the systems for him to escape, right? Yeah, absolutely. In this story, um, Nedry, from Nedry's point of view, Hammond is the uh, biggest douchebag because he's uh, got cheap on him. He right. Cheap. That's why he had to go flip those uh, those DNA samples to uh, the, the 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 competitor. Right. But Nedry, I think for sure is the uh, the biggest one. He's like, nah, nah, nah. You didn't say the magic word. Nah, nah. Right. <laughs> but you know, I feel bad picking on him because I think he he didn't mean to hurt anybody. It's just. He essentially doomed everyone on the island. Yeah, he yeah essentially doomed the island and uh, everyone there. And just it was, it's poor timing because he's like, well, this, this hurricane's coming, the storm is coming in, and it's not my fault that those kids are out there or <laughs> they're out there. Right, but, right. But yeah, I think that's pretty cut and dry. Who the that guy would be the biggest douchebag? Trying to think. Uh, how about there's another one? There's not too many characters in this, but minor character of the movie. Some characters who are not necessarily the main ones, but kind of the the sub uh, character. And I'm going to click an oddball character. I've always liked the scene with the Dilop. I can't remember the dinosaur's name, but I think it's the Dilophilosaurus, the one with the who spits the venom, who kills Nedry. Right. With the, that's the, I think that dinosaur design is so cool. And that scene is so it's set up like you can't see him in on the when they first enter the park. But when Nedry goes in, you know something bad's going to happen to him. So when that dinosaur pops up, I'm like, I love this scene here. It's one of those ones I always kind of necessarily don't think of when I think of the movie. But when I'm watching it, I'm like, I'm invested. like, oh, this guy's going to get it good. And just seeing him when he finally pokes out, uh, he's in the Jeep and he pokes out his, like, I don't know what they call it, like his, his, his mane of uh, feathers, I guess. I don't know. And uh, shoots that spin him on uh, Nedry. I think that's always my, one of my favorite little minor, super minor dinosaur characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the rattling gives me goosebumps too. That's just like almost like a rattlesnake. And yeah, it's a mixture <laughs> of that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a creep, creepy thing. Yeah. And then, so I, uh, I'm going to pick a minor character as well. Yeah, absolutely. Does it have to be a dinosaur? It does, it, whatever you want to do. I just that's my <laughs> interpretation for this one. Oh, I was gonna say, if I had to pick a dinosaur, shout out to the Triceratops that was kind of sick, um, yeah. due to to the diet, uh, whatever she she was eating. Um, but I love that scene of uh, of uh, Alan Grant kind of like on her her side and feeling her breathe. That was just another one of those moments where I was like, dang, that thing! I swear I could just like walk up and touch it, you know? Like it just absolutely looks so real. But if I had a shout out a human character, Sam Jackson, man, hold on to your butts. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of screen time, but he's just, you know, Sam Jackson is just so charismatic with his cigarette and he's like typing on the keyboard. Like he's just so damn like cool. He, he could be doing anything. And I'm just like, I like this guy, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. 
it's funny is I actually still say hold on to your butts every time I take like a, a turn real quick on, on <laughs> hold on to your butt. My daughter's like, I got it, daddy. It's like I'll do it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Sam Jackson, good call on that one. I always forget that he's in this one too. It's just such a minor, small character uh, role, but it, it's awesome to see how he's like this, he's blowing up as like, one of the biggest actors in Hollywood, making so many good, cool movies. So. Uh, I think we're pretty much gushed over this movie quite a bit. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on real quick before we kind of close it down? John Williams. Oh, yeah. What MVP of the movie? What an MVP is <laughs> John Williams. Um, you know, who doesn't know that? Dun, 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 and it's like, you know, I'll go to like Universal Studios Hollywood and it's like, the second I hear like the first note, I'm just like, yes. So it's like my heart soars. And it's just such a memorable, like, wonderful score from, like, the susp suspenseful moments to the uh, iconic anthem. It's just it's just brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally forgot our, one of the last characters is the, the MVP of the movie. I think, yeah, John Williams. I, when you hear that score, it's just, you, you have to hum it. I think that's another thing that John Williams has done really well on a lot of his movies is that you can hum the, the, the score. I can hum Raiders of Indiana Jones, you know, this, uh, Jurassic Park, Star Wars. He's very iconic with that. But, like, if you go to Lord of the Rings, you may be able to hum a couple bars, but you can't do, like, you can't do it for continuous, like, stretches and other films, too. But John Williams, there's something about his scores. They're, they're simple, they're complex, they're emotional, and they're just brilliant. So MVP for John Williams, for sure. And uh, try to think. We always do the, uh, the least valuable player in this movie, and I just think it's uh, – Guys, you just want more money, you know. Uh, the, he, he he spared no expense with the budget, but he just didn't pay the the tech guy enough money, I guess. To uh, and that's why uh, maybe Hammond has got a little cheap with the, the technical side of the budget. So maybe Hammond maybe is the LVP, putting his uh, grandkids in danger too. That's always a a great choice. <laughs> right. It's like yeah, let me have my grandkids see these large, like dangerous, sharp teeth creatures. <laughs> yeah, before everything anything got approved by anybody. So right. Before we pass this, like the safety code or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So maybe he's the LVP. Uh, who would you think is the the least valuable player in this movie? If you had to pick something. <sighs> well, I wasn't even thinking about in terms of the story. I was just thinking like the lawyer. Oh, like, yeah. what was the lawyer's purpose? Like he, uh, but minus him getting eaten on the toilet. Like, <laughs> what did? He, what was he there for? Like, I mean, I know maybe for legality purposes, but I just. I just feel like his character is useless. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make a fortune with this place. I, I, right. can, I can be up. I can take care of the, the uh, merchandising of everything. It's like, okay, calm down, pump the brakes there, bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was immediately. That, that's one of my favorite lines of the movie. It says, "I can't believe I brought all three of you guys have disagreed with me, but I, the blood sucking lawyer, is the only one that agrees with me about this place." Yeah. Uh, they're at the dinner table or whatever. Yeah, that that was uh, that's a fun line. Anyway, anyway, I, I love Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park's uh, amazing, amazing film. Every time I watch it, it's just, it just brings me back to being a kid again, it feels like. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, that's our quick thoughts on Jurassic Park from Steven Spielberg, our first stop in this, the journey with Spielberg. My name is Adam, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Adam Sideways. And so make sure you like, share, and subscribe to this video. And also check out the Pseudo Geeks podcast with Loretto. Loretto, where can we find you on YouTube and social media? 
yeah, please follow us at the Suit Up Geeks on both YouTube and Twitter. Um, you can follow myself at Marcellus Durden on Twitter. I'm always down to talk shop. And uh, th thanks for having me, Adam. It was a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot, a lot of fun. And make sure you check out his links. All those will be in the show notes down below. Until next time, guys, we will see you in Jurassic Park. And we're hoping not to be eaten by dinosaurs this time. Later. <laughs>